Hi, I'm David Rothkopf, the CEO of the DSR Network and host of the Deep State Radio podcast. Here at DSR, we have always believed that in a world as complex, fast-moving, and full of risks as ours, we all need access to the best minds. That is why we have created the leading network for expert podcasts on the issues of the day you care about. We go in-depth on politics, the law, national security, foreign policy, intelligence, defense, climate, and new technologies with regular and special guests that are the leading voices in their fields. We also offer daily updates on global news, our DSR Daily, and on a key story of the day through our partnership with the New Republic. That is why over a million times a month, people like you choose to spend time with our hosts and guests. Membership is what supports this, and members get special benefits, including bonus content in virtually all of our podcasts. It's a big deal, and it's a good deal. Our monthly membership price is going to go up for the first time in our history on March 1st. So now is the time you can lock in our founder's rate of just $5 a month. To do so, go to the dsrnetwork.com and click on membership. It's that easy, but don't delay. Today's rates will only be available for a few more weeks. Join us, support us. Go to the dsrnetwork.com right now. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the DSR Daily, the world in a nutshell with a little bit of color added. Uh, our Your team here at DSR includes me, DJR, David Rothkopf, Chris Cottonware. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing very well, thank you. Excellent. Riley Fessler, how are you today, Riley? Doing extremely well. Excellent. Chris, what's the number one story on your hit parade? Uh, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky uh, reportedly fired his top general. Um, I say reportedly because Zelensky's spokesperson denied the firing, but it seems at least imminent that this is something that's going to happen. Um, he fired him over concerns about the feasibility of mobilizing 500,000 troops. Um, and the difficulty with the logistics and also financing that um, fueled by the United States' inability to pass any sort of spending package for Ukraine. I got to tell you, I am an optimistic person for the most part. But, you know, what's going on in the world with, you know, domestic it's just, it's, Texas, it's Iran, which will report. And Ukraine, and and it's, of course Israel and Gaza. I mean, what the fuck? What the fuck is right, you know? And uh, that's our new podcast. What the fuck? Um, in fact, you know, this can be our daily. You know, this is what the fuck from Deep State Radio, because you're, you're absolutely right. And I'm an optimistic person, and I can tell you, I think Joe Biden is going to beat Donald Trump. Um, I think that there will eventually be an end to this fighting in the Middle East, just like there is the end to all fighting in the Middle East for a while. 
Um, I think Ukraine has a chance of really, uh, you know, ramping up and defeating Russia if they get the right kind of support, um, et cetera. Um, I don't think Putin will lose his election in March. I think it's a pretty, pretty sure thing that he'll win. But having said all of that, I could also see a scenario, and it's a perfectly legitimate scenario, where the Biden administration, after a great track record in foreign policy, has 2024 marked by uh, continuing unrest in the Middle East, possibly a spreading war, um, uh, having embraced an ally that has embraced the most brutal tactics possible, um, after supporting Ukraine for a couple of years, we'll have the Congress pull the plug and Ukraine will start uh, to lose. Those things will have a knock-on effect on American politics. Not that foreign policy always is a big factor, but particularly in the case of the Middle East, uh, it's got a number of groups really agitated. Um, and that, you know, for a variety of reasons, um, the uh, fall election will be close and perhaps even won by a guy who is a convicted criminal at the time. That's, you know, I mean, what I'm describing is horrific. Um, but as you say, it's not impossible. It's it's not even unlikely. It's, you know, it's kind of up there in the 50-50 range. Uh, so, you know, uh, we can call this what the fuck radio, or we can call this I'm hiding under my bed radio, but it's it's a little bit unnerving. What you got, Wait, Riley? Before we go to Riley, yeah. I just want to say one thank you so much for making me feel better. Better, Absolutely. Um, no problem. I will. I, I will say at least they it's not the human Xanax. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't yeah. be a. We're we're at least aware that this guy can actually win the presidency, and hopefully that's a uh, an advantage that we can take advantage of. But man. Thanks for making me feel better. Yeah, well, read Ed Luce's column in today's Financial Times. Uh, he'll be with us on our podcast later, but his column is, hey, even if Trump loses, things are still going to be bad in American politics. So it's like, it's like, well, I got a hammer here, and then I've got um, a big stick. Which should I hit myself over the head with first? Riley? Bad news for everyone's uh, favorite libertarian anarcho-capitalist. Oh, this is not as bad. Javier Malay. Yeah. But good news for Argentinian labor as a Argentinian court has overturned labor regulations that were proposed by Malay, which would have simplified the process of firing workers. Um, so he announced in December this decree that would make several changes, including increasing job probation from three to eight months, reducing severance compensation, and allowing the dismissal of workers who take part in blockades during protests. And the court declared that these are unconstitutional and that the government had exceeded its authority and that any of these measures would require congressional approval. Um, so they can appeal this to the Supreme Court, but his administration has not yet indicated that they are planning to do so. Um, so this is a, obviously a huge win for the Argentinian labor movement who were... Uh, who presented this legal challenge specifically it was the general labor confederation so again this is kind of what we referenced before where malay obviously his policies are horrible but um he faces a lot of stiff opposition in congress and apparently in the courts are not on board with this either so we'll see well you know we as you know we've been skeptical here of edna saint vincent malay for some time 
Um, that's just my nickname for him after the American poet. Uh, but, uh, you know, the thing that I'm even more skeptical of, and I saw an article about him that was a little bit glowing in some right-wing journal yesterday, is the, the bullshit of libertarianism. You know, the whole idea of libertarianism is sounds great. Well, let's have less government. We'll have more freedom. But that's not what it means. It means that you will have less government power to counter the power that exists elsewhere in the society. So in the, you know, fantasy of Edna St. Vincent Millay, the, the Argentine president, not the American poet, um, and I know it only appeals to my sense of humor, but having, having said that, in his fantasy, the idea is let's get away, you know, get rid of government, get rid of regulations, let's, you know, get rid of all these burdensome uh, things that help the poor, and, and it's just that we'll have a free-for-all, society will be better. Except what that means is that the richest and most powerful people in that society, and Argentina has its own oligarchy like anywhere else, they will then be able to act unchecked. It is not about getting rid of the apparatus of power. It's about shifting the apparatus of power from the people to the few. That's what libertarianism is all about. It is complete bullshit, Chris. Iran has warned that they will decisively respond uh, to any U.S. attack following President Biden's uh, accusations linking Tehran to a drone attack that killed three U.S. soldiers uh, and injured 40. Um, obviously, this situation is escalating as others are in the world. Um, it's, it's inevitable. The U.S. is going to respond. My question to you, David, is what does decisive look like uh, in, well, in, look, in the region all, from the Iran? Iranian the Iranian government, like our government, wants to appear strong. The Iranian government, like our government, does not want to have an all-out war. Um, the Iranian government wants to make it look like if there is no all-out war, it was their strength that kept us from wanting to do it. Um, it is the same stance that our government wants to have. Here's the problem. When the Iranians, you know, give drones to, you know, militia groups, they don't know that the militia group is going to be able to have the drone fly into a U.S. base behind another drone, manage to get through the defenses that the U.S. base has, and actually hit a bunker in which a bunch of U.S. soldiers are sleeping, thus killing U.S. soldiers thus making an escalated U.S. reaction absolutely inevitable. You know, that's just a red line. If you kill U.S. soldiers, something bad's going to happen. But, you know, Iran or the Iran Revolutionary Guard or whoever was backing this group, they didn't know that it was going to turn out. And that's the problem. The situation is so heightened right now that if a Houthi missile accidentally gets through U.S. naval defenses and we're able to shoot a lot of them down you know, and hits a ship and kills a bunch of people, escalation. Um, the, 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 the biggest risk that we have in the Middle East right now um, is accidental escalation, not planned escalation. Riley? Well, uh, numerous social media CEOs will face questions on child safety in a Senate hearing today, uh, including the CEOs of X, Meta, TikTok, Snap, and Discord. 
Um, so I'm gathering it's not child safety with like, you know, toys that, you know, no, no. So it's, it's about online child sexual exploitation. So it is a serious issue that has kind of come to the surface in recent months. But my fear of this is given how the last congressional, uh, Senate, or I'm sorry, it was just a regular congressional hearing, uh, with the TikTok CEO was an unmitigated disaster. Uh, it was incredibly embarrassing and so many of the Congress people clearly did not understand kind of some of the basics of how this worked. Um, so I worry that kind of that is going to happen again and undermine what, it, what is actually a very serious issue that does need to be addressed. Um, so I hope they come better prepared this time. I guess we'll see, but I'm not sure. Uh, well, they won't because there aren't that many people in the Congress that actually understand this stuff. And of course, the issue of child exploitation, while a big issue, uh, having to do with, you know, the internet or having to do with uh, AI. Um, uh, and by the way, I doubt any of the Republicans on these committees will be condemning, you know, the efforts to use AI to come up with doctored, uh, uh, deep fake porn of uh, Taylor Swift. But, you know, the, 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 the issues are much bigger. So, you know, this is one, the Congress is not equipped to address it properly give them credit for doing something, but they're likely to just come up with laws that look like old laws. Uh, but the the other threats that are associated with these technologies are not being addressed, um, ranging from the concentration of power uh, among a few people, which ought to be addressed through antitrust legislation, um, uh, the uh, threats uh, associated with um, uh, uh, not regulating uh, websites like uh, Twitter or um, uh, you know, Meta or, or, or Google as if they were information companies playing by the same rules so that they can have deep biases in them, of them not having liability for what is posted on them, which is a problem, uh, and on and on with them. And then, you know, let's get into the world of AI and there's a whole other set of issues. So you know, this is performative. Um, and uh, as you say, the, the last couple of performances haven't gone so well for the Congress. And I think we should go into this one with low expectations. Chris? Um, have you guys been following the meteoric rise of the Stanley Tumblr? Oh, yes, yeah, Stanley Tumblr. Yes, yeah, so Saturday Night Live did a whole skit on Stanley yes. Tumblrs this weekend in which a number of people got together and they had progressively larger Stanley Dumblers. And um, then one of them said, I can taste the lead, uh, you know, and got into some of the issues that you may be referring to. here. Exactly. So uh, some uh, enterprising social media influencers uh, apparently went home and tested the uh the cups the stanley cups not to be confused with the stanley cup lord stanley's cup um and found Which lead is, for those of you who don't follow sports ball or sports hockey or, puck yes. um a hockey trophy yeah yes hockey the hockey trophy um and while experts uh have said at least the the amounts of lead that are in the cups 
seem are seemingly safe and follow U.S. guidelines, uh, nonetheless, has still uh, caused some concerns. My fascination with the story, though, is on the marketing side, where these cups—it's a—it's a water bottle for crying out loud—have um, just exploded. And there was a piece in the New Yorker that I read where uh, you know they talked about how Stanley went viral and the CMO of Crocs. Uh, who resurrected those shoes, probably helped in large part by the pandemic and people walking around their homes in, in Crocs. Um, and full disclosure. Do you walk I in own, your home in Crocs? Uh, not today, Crocs? but I do have Crocs. You do? Uh, Riley, do you have Crocs? I do not have Crocs, no. Good, Good for the, you. <laughs> the mo- the mo- I'll tell you, the most useful, because I when I officiate swim meets, I have to wear like a, a uniform. And one of the requirements is white shoes, but you get soaked on deck. So I wear Crocs because the water goes into the holes. And when I'm done, I wipe my feet and put my socks back on uh, and they're fine. But yeah, in any case, he came. So much detail to people. I know. They, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope you're But, uh, but anyway, go so read the New, York, the New Yorker's piece. Um, it's an interesting story, especially if your job is marketing on how they may it, it. And one last point you'll recall when we were doing sort of the lighter news stories, which of course this is today, uh, that a car had caught on fire and the only thing that survived was their Stanley mug cup tumbler, whatever, however you'd the like Stanley to company that sells like camping gear and stuff like that. Is it the same company? I think so. Tools, Stanley tools, stuff like that. That's kind of weird. It's just, it's just unfathomable to me, you know, what that is about. And having said that, you know, what we've done in our household, and I'm going to keep this brief, but we've given up on ordering bottled drinks altogether. We've moved to having a soda stream and just produce, you know, taking water, putting some bubbles in it. And walking around the house all day with that. So we just drink water now. We don't drink all this other stuff. And it saves just tons of trips to the garbage. And that probably has a positive environmental benefit. And drinking water is really um, good for you. Um, I don't know that that's what fills up all these Stanley Cups water. But, uh, you know, presumably people are pouring their lattes into it. A quick search, by the way, says... That's this not the Stanley Tool Company. It's just so it's different. There's one yeah. Stanley that's the Stanley Cup. There's another Stanley that's the Stanley Tool Company. Then there's another Stanley that makes these uh, beverage uh, holders, uh, and that has nothing to do with Stanley and Livingston and and you know English exploration in Africa in the 19th century. Um, or it doesn't uh, have anything to do with Flat Stanley either. Flat Stanley or Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy. Um, yeah, well, I'm glad we've glad we've resolved that. Now Riley is probably going to drag us kicking and streaming back into the real world. Uh, no, no, not not a bad news story for my last one. Um, the French government has taken a big step uh, to strengthen abortion rights, um, and this was a move that kind of started after the U.S. rolled back. Abortion rights here, Poland similarly rolled back abortion rights. 
Um, and the effort is to amend Article 34 of their constitution to ensure women's freedom to have an abortion. And there are two ways to do this. Uh, one is if they can get a three-fifths vote in Congress, and that is the uh, tactic that President Macron is taking, and it overcame the first hurdle uh, in the lower house overwhelmingly, 493 to 30 uh, passed this bill, which obviously was way more than was necessary. And I found it interesting that neither, or um, excuse me, none of the parties in France really object to a woman's right to have an abortion. The only objections are coming from uh, some conservatives in the, in the majority in the Senate who are worried about the language of the bill. But none of it is based on objection to the idea itself, which is that women should have the right to an abortion, which I thought was fascinating and is obviously incredibly different from U.S. politics. Well, you know, I mean, look, I mean, one of the things that is generally uh, not uh, followed by Americans is, or understood fully by Americans is that the left in Europe is far to the left of the U.S. left. The right in Europe often aligns with the U.S. left. Um, and the right in the United States is typically far to the right. Also, we have in our society, unlike most, not all, but most others, a much heavier religious component to politics, including religious evangelicals. And in a lot of these other countries, they are well past all of that. Uh, we once thought of ourselves as kind of the uh, shining you know, beacon on the hill, the shining city on the hill, as 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 Ronald Reagan referred to it. Uh, I think that you know we can offer up a new message to the world, which I would call DDWWD, which is don't do what we do. Like if we've got a policy being put into place, do the opposite. It could be better um, because the MAGA movement has really perverted. Uh, so much of what is happening uh, here in the United States. Uh, by the way, I noticed that you know, a, you know, a bill is making its way through the Congress that would uh, cut taxes for the rich and and for companies. Um, it seems to be the only thing they can do. They can't pass a budget. They can't provide aid, critical national security aid. They can't do anything except you know, tax cuts and performative idiocy like the Mayorkas, quote, impeachment, uh, which is based on absolutely nothing. And today I saw uh, somebody note that one of the uh, proofs that it is based on nothing is that one of the arguments against Mayorkas put forth by the Republicans um, says that Agency X has done Y and Z, and 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 it's not an agency he actually even controls. You know, they're just throwing this stuff together. So we're in a sad state of affairs here in U.S. politics. Later today, we're going to talk about another country that's got real problems in its politics, um, India, the world's largest democracy, um, with noted uh, Indian journalist Rana Ayub and our own very well-known India expert who has written one of the great books on India, uh, Ed Luce. Uh, so that's our, our mothership podcast for today, the main Deep State Radio. And uh, we encourage you to listen to that and everything else, including our newest podcast uh, done in conjunction with The New Republic with Greg Sargent, where it's uh, actually turning into, you know, it's called The Daily Blast, but it's actually, you know, 
good journalism. He's going out, he's talking to people that you need to hear from. Um, and uh, we think it's something you should add to your daily schedule. Uh, try it. And then come back here tomorrow for more of this kind of highfalutin, uh, intellectually uplifting conversation that we have here at the DSR Daily. Until then, bye-bye.